Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revs played a midweek game down in Atlanta and had their second consecutive 3-3 result this week. As usual, the Revs were missing a handful of players. That's bad. But Carlos Hill scored the first minute. That's good. Atlanta then controlled the match, creating many dangerous chances. That's bad. But the Revs held them off and extended their lead to 2-0 with a Bobby Wood goal. That's good. Atlanta stormed back, scoring three goals in the second half to take the lead. That's bad. But Carlos Hill saved the day with a last-minute equalizer to take a point. That's good. The point contains potassium benzotate. That's bad. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today from Pro Soccer is Caleb Pongratz. Caleb, how are you doing? Doing good. Coming back from another absolutely wild Revs game. But that's each week. It's it's each week. Every week is an adventure. Uh, before we get into the revolution, I want to tell you about our friends at Bet Online. The NBA Finals are set, and the excitement is heating up. Too soon. Whether you think the winner of the NBA Finals is going to be the team not from Boston or the other team not from Boston, Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, and the latest matchup reports from this year's NBA playoffs. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters as we have you covered for all things for your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, golf, to UFC and boxing, and of course, Major League Soccer and soccer around the globe. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today, head to the website, or use your mobile device to join, and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Now that we've gotten the ads out of the way, Caleb, let's get into the revolution. Let's get to our key takeaways brought to you by The Rebellion. Go check out anyrebellion.org to learn more about them and how you can become a member. Caleb, what is your key takeaway from last night's 3-3 draw against Atlanta? Um, I actually have two takeaways from last night's game, and that is that Carlos Seal is still very avidly in the MVP race, and I'm still shocked that Brad Guzan was a U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper. Boy, Guzan, I mean, he did not have a save last night. There were three shots on target from the Revs, all of them goals, um, and obviously that howler at the beginning of the game um, – I haven't looked into the advanced stats too much, but just based on that one game sample and from things I've just read about him online, he is a far, far, far ways away from his prime. And you have to wonder how many more years he's going to uh, hang on and how many more years Atlanta's going to kind of put up with this. But um, I, I certainly think he cost Atlanta a few points yesterday. But getting over to Carlos Heel uh, now has five goals and five assists on the season. Uh, I believe those five assists include hockey assists. Uh, so. Take that of what you will. But, boy, a brace from him last night. Uh, he's really stepping up for this team right now. Um, obviously, the first goal, you could say, was a bit handed to him. But coming up clutch with a phenomenal goal uh, in the final few minutes there. Um, 
I, I don't know where this team would be without Carlos Hill, and it really speaks to his importance uh, that he's able to take a point from this game. And boy, I, I'm sure glad that injury from Philadelphia. We we could be entering a complete disaster of a team right now if his injury from Philadelphia turned out to be uh, more severe than it was. Yeah, I heavily agree. And honestly, I, if if we didn't have Carlos Hill on this team, I really believe that we would be more like an NYCFC right now who currently sit 14th in the table. Um, It's been a roller coaster start to the season. And with our three DPs all suffering at least one injury so far this year, uh, it's good to know that Carlos was a easy bounce back right away. And he's continued to contribute even at a level where he's missed a game and I believe he has the most games played other than Petrovic and Dave Romney so far this season uh I think no buck too yes buck Romney Petrovic and then it's Carlos on games played and I think yesterday was a game where he's not going to shine too much because the Revs had almost no possession 30 percent possession I believe 29 percent possession somewhere around there the Revs having major major issues in the midfield um and gathering really any steam uh, in the final third. Actually, I was going to get to this stat later on, but I, I read a stat that passes in the opposition half. Atlanta, 435. The New England Revolution, 77. Um, this game was played pretty much entirely on the Revolution's half, so Carlos Hill did not have a, a ton of um, ability to show off his uh, skills uh, to his peak performance, uh, but he still did have uh, two for two on shots, uh, scored two goals there, uh, obviously played the entire game. 29 for 36, passing 81%. He did have a chance created uh, two shots on target. I mentioned that right. 57 touches. Uh, and he was also seven for 10 on grounds uh, on ground duels. Um, football says he was not dispossessed. I do remember him losing the ball a couple of times. Um, so I'm, I'm not really, I'm going to question that stat a little bit. I did think he, he had a couple of sloppy moments uh, in the middle of the game, uh, but he did have 12 recoveries. So, um, a, a really solid game from Carlos Hill. And, you know, if you look at the team around him, I don't, I mean, I, I can say some good things about Ima Boateng. I can say some good things about Bobby Wood finishing that goal. Um, the rest of the team, really, this game struggled. Um, and, and maybe that'll be my key takeaway here, which is that I, I don't have many positive accolades to say about the rest of the team. Uh, Latif Blessing, I thought, struggled a little bit. And I think moving him to the wing might be worth trying him out a little bit there. Um, he's kind of had a, a rough couple of weeks weeks since returning um, from his personal leave. I thought Matt Polster had a really rough game. I, I've been you know, hot and cold with him all, all season long. Um, he, the second goal there, uh, he, he gets completely beat. Um, there's another play where uh, on the Almada free kick where where Blessing fouls him. Polster um, is basically a traffic cone on that play. Um, Polster's lost a step, and uh, he, he is still able to put in good performances here and there, but against a good team on the road, um, his defensive responsibilities are really jacked up, and I, I thought it was a, a bit of a poor performance. There were really, really a lot of communication issues, it seemed like, between the back line and the midfield. There was a lot of gaps, a lot of space. Atlanta did really whatever they wanted. They could go down the wing, they could go down the right, they could go down the left, they could go over the top, they could go through the middle. Um, really, everything uh, from Polster Buck uh, in the midfield and then the back line, there's really not a lot of positive I can say from them from that performance. Yeah, I mean, going all off of that, um, this lineup from the get go was kind of a, a shaky thing to read. And I know you've shown uh, or you chimed in a little bit on Matt Polster. His last four games have been woeful. Chicago was terrible. 
Philly was not great. Enter Miami, I'm surprised he stayed on the pitch. It he, He's going through a definite rough spell for sure. And um, Blessing, not, not really a fan of him over the last couple of weeks as, as well. Um, Romney surprisingly had a bad game, and Dewan did not play as up to his standard as well. And I wasn't really too angry about Andrew Farrell at right back. I think he played well for playing the position for quote unquote the first time since 2015 or whatever the hell it was. But having Omar Gonzalez next to him when you have players like Christian McCoon who are on the bench that have played in that starting center back role already this season, it was kind of a weird choice to go with Omar over Christian. But as you already talked on, Wood, Keel, and Boateng, they, they had a great game. And honestly, if we did not have Petrovic, this game would have gotten out of hand really quickly. Yes, I should say Petrovic is excluded from my key takeaway. He had some uh, good saves. And, uh, you know, in the expected goal category, it's not going to look good on the stat sheet because I believe Atlanta had 1.8 or 1.9 expected goals. Um, but there's really nothing he could have done about those three um, overall. And he made some phenomenal saves. Um, let's uh, We have a million listener questions, so we're going to hop right into the listener questions today. Um, and I'll, I'll start out with a couple of comments, but John Pilkington says, could this team be more frustrating, but exciting? I think that's a really good way to put it. You know, the, we've seen this team be, you know, zero, zero, one, one playing boring soccer, boring defensive soccer. This is at least exciting a little bit. Uh, we're at least getting to celebrate goals, I guess, um, if that's the silver lining. But, um, I, I think the defense is really hitting, hitting a point where, um, we're ripping our hair out and, um, you know, the Henry Kessler injury has really derailed the defensive performance of this team. And I do know we also had a comment from uh, Corey uh, Cloutier, who said that what are the what's the splits between um, Henry Kessler being on the field versus Henry Kessler being off the field? And Gustavo Lopez said um, with Henry Kessler on the pitch. Oh, the tweet is loading. I'm sorry. This is bad radio, bad radio. Oh, and it just went down. Uh, I got the tweet. Uh, Henry Kessler and the have conceded an average of 0.86 goals per game, six goals in seven matches. And without Kessler, the team has conceded an average of 1.75 goals per game, 14 goals in eight games. So that's the big difference. Thank you. We don't have technical difficulties until we are on the air. And um, I'm going to have to edit out some of the beginning. But Caleb knows how uh, rough of a morning I'm having over here. Uh, this is the downside of doing uh, early morning podcasts as opposed to doing them right after the game uh, or a day later. We're still in wake-up mode, and I guess my computer is in wake-up mode as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, obviously we are missing Henry Kessler. Corey also wanted the uh, stats between uh, this season and career. Uh, I did not go look up all the career numbers. But I think this season it's a really good um, – uh, sample, uh, and I and I think there's fewer variables looking at this one season that pulling out Henry Kessler um, has really derailed this team, and Andrew Farrell has kind of struggled in replacing him. I thought Omar Gonzalez didn't play his worst game we've seen, um, but I, I still think he's a backup at this stage, and I'd still rather see him in a five-man back line at this stage. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful we don't see him in a four-man back line as a center back. Um, and, and you mentioned Farrell, too, at right back. I also thought he played okay, um, but I think there's a major downgrade to buy. So it'll be interesting to see how um, the back line kind of formulates without Brandon Bay in the coming weeks, but uh, it's a major, major concern for every game going forward. Yeah, it's definitely shaky um, trying to replace Brandon By and replacing him with Andrew Farrell. You have two completely different body builds on both of their players. You have 
more on the stocky sides. Uh, Andrew, who's good on one-on-ones and isn't really flashy going forward versus Brandon by who's got the quick lean, very lethal going forward. Beautiful crosses X, Y, Z 95% of the time. So it's a big switch in how the revs are going to have to play on that right flank. And I felt like that's why they put Latif and I originally they had Buck on that side, but fought Mubba saying Polster was on the right side. But if you include the two young guys on the right side or two players that are shifty with engines that can make up for the slower right back than usual. Um, but all, all in all, this team has definitely struggled since Henry Kessler has been hurt. Um, it's unfortunate when your best center back goes down hurt and obviously players, your replacements or your depth, sorry, is it's good, but it's not, it's, it's not replacing your best center back right away. It's Um, not on the same level for sure. Nowhere near. Well, and, and I think what's interesting too is that you now have. I mean, a lot of people have complained about Brandon By over the years. There's no one behind Brandon By. We've kind of been pointing this out all off season long. I think Joshua Bolmo is the right back. Joshua Bolmo, I don't even think was available in this game. And from what we've seen from him at right back, has been poor. You would think they would move Dewan Jones over to right back and then put in Ben Sweat, who they signed to be the backup. Ben Sweat doesn't make an appearance in this game. Um, Ryan Spalding is out on loan, by the way, just made USL team of the week. He has four assists in six games. It's great. He's getting minutes, but you wonder maybe if you don't trust sweat, could you have trusted Spalding in this spot? Instead, they're now moving out Farrell and, and downgrading again at center back. You're going kind of down to your fourth center back and you're, you know, Farrell, I, I don't think right back is his best position at this game at this stage in his career either. So you've essentially downgraded the entire right side of the line. And even if Farrell is a competent center back um, and, and Omar, even if he plays competently, it's not a standout performer like you have in, in Kessler and a, a solid right back in, in Brandon by. So they're just downgrading across the line. And I, I, I don't think you can, I, I really wonder how much longer we're going to have until we have to go, but to a three center back formation. Cause I, I just, I'm not sure if there's a way to piece this back line together where um, it, it's defensively good enough. Um, without Henry Kessler and Brandon By. Yeah, and if we were to go to a three-back, I, I still would not pick Omar. I would focus my attention on Farrell, Romney, and McCoon. So I'm still question, even though he didn't have that bad of a game, which is a shocking statement to say, Christian McCoon should be playing over Omar Gonzalez and also with your statement on Dewan moving to right back Christian McCoon is a left back as well why is he not playing left back so it, a lot of questions that Bruce needs to answer on his decision making off the bench as well as his overarching plan because with Kessler out until late June July August pending how superhuman he is on his healing. It'll be very crucial. And obviously FOTMOP here lists that Brandon will be out with a shoulder injury until early July. He has been training a little bit on the side from the team. Um, I know it was an injury he sustained in the Inter-Miami game in the last minute. This is going to be a 
this is going to be an interesting month where the Rebs find themselves on what what type of team they have. They're playing NYCFC as a rival. That they have, they then have Miami again, and then they play Orlando, Toronto, and then they start next month exactly a month away with Cincinnati again. So now is a time where players need to say, "Hey, we need points here. Let's." step it up and and i'll also say when that trade window opens up um you know if, if christian mccoon doesn't have a role in this team you know is he moving on um you know th- there are guys that you know ben sweat you know i i know we just signed him and i'm not sure what his market is but you know if this is a spot where we're not putting him in is he moving on you know i i, I think if you and I'll do a salary breakdown, roster breakdown next week. But uh, so we'll, we'll look at how many roster spots they have and all that. But, you know, this team needs some more depth and they need to bring in multiple players in the summer transfer window. And uh, I'm not sure they can bring in multiple players without sending out some. So I, I think if you're these depth pieces and you're getting your chance here, you got to really show your stuff. So um, we did get a, a question here or a comment. Uh, it feels like Bruce misidentified what position groups would be the most important in this match and where we had suitable depth. Agree with that. Buck and Polster both started in the match showing fatigue and the best depth beats. Blessing was at right wing. Uh, how will they grind out results with poor management? Um, and again, I, I don't hate the idea of Blessing on the right wing. I don't think it worked out, but I was fine with them trying it out because I think Blessing has struggled in a few weeks and maybe giving him something new to do would work out. But I, I thought this formation of 4-2-3-1 um, or, or really you know, 4-4-1 when they were playing defensively um, it didn't seem to work. And I agree too. I think Buck didn't have his best game. Um, I mean, they're grinding him out 90 minutes a game, which is good. It's good to get him minutes. Um, but there's really a lack of depth in the center midfield too. So um, yeah, it, it's going to be really, really hard. As you, ju- you just listed off the games coming up for the revs. That's a really, really tough stretch for the depth that's being tested right now. Yeah, agreed. And I know um, the suitable death was questioned here about blessing at right wing. I think Blessing was definitely a, an important fixture to have here because you have Ibarra, Etienne, Almada, Giacomikis, and Araujo and their front five or four. So you need to take an experienced player and play him at right wing or right mid so that they could track back and help defensively. If this, this wasn't that type of game and we were playing more a lower-seeded team, or lower depth team, this would totally be an Esmer Barak Tarvich start. This 100% would be. But you need a player that can stick in tackles and is experienced against players or a front four or five or six or seven, however many they're throwing at you, to be sound defensively. So that's why they went with Blessing rather than a Barak Tarvich, a Paniatu, or even rushing Gustavo Bo back and starting him at right wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it should be noted that Blessing left at halftime. I don't think we got an update for him after the game, or I, I think it's pending on what his um, status is for this weekend. I'll also say Justin Reddix came in. I thought Justin Reddix played good. Good performance from Justin Reddix and what you needed from this game. Uh, he beat a couple guys one-on-one. He was able to hold up the ball and possess the ball a little bit in a game where it was needed. Um, I, I thought he put in a pretty decent second half, and I know he's not had the best season um, and is not beloved by fans universally. Uh, but I thought for the moment that uh, he in, in his job that he was tasked to do, uh, I think Justin Reddix played pretty well, and it was one of his better performances of the season. 
Yeah, he was listed as the fourth best player in the field. It, it, it feels it's kind of funny to say that, but I, I, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. I, I think he, he actually yeah. had some really nice moments in this game. So, um, yeah. Ryan says 2-0 in the first half, then we fell behind. Uh, and then we fall behind the second half. We completely fell apart and quickly what happened. I don't think they really it was a completely fall apart in the second half thing. I, I think this entire game, Atlanta was knocking on the door. I just think from start to finish, um, this, this team was just completely outmatched. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, two, two, two nothing in halftime is the, uh, I'm going to sound like a U10 soccer coach, but it's the, it's the most dangerous lead in soccer. It just really is. And when you have players like Araujo, Almada, Giacomakis, and Etienne on the other side of the field, at some point, they're going to get past that door. Um, and I know two of the goals were deflections. And then Miguel Berry gets subbed on in the 84th minute and scores probably the goal of the year for Atlanta, at least. Things happen. And would I say it's more like a defensive breakdown? Mm, no, because th- they were knocking on the door all game. Like, we already kind of commented on it um already we were out past 701 to 266 the possession was 72 to 28 they had 20 shots to r5 we were dominated completely the fact that we walked away from this game with a point i'm okay with it we should not have walked out of the bends with a point we should not have and anyone that argues we should have I would argue that this performance from the Revs, uh, it, it's it's right up there with the LAFC game, and that was a four nothing game. Um, and, and I I'll sound the alarm bell on this too. You look at games on the road against really good opponents, LAFC, Atlanta, Philadelphia. I know Philadelphia is not high in the standings right now, but they've they they've been dominated. They've been crushed in those games. I mean, I, I am not confident in this team going on the road. And I understand they're missing players today. They were missing Heel and LAFC. They, you know, Heel came off in, in Philadelphia. I'm aware that there are small things that go wrong in these games. And, and maybe they're not 100% in each of these games. But these games aren't even close. I understand we took away a point. But, I mean, the Revs were massively, massively inferior. So, anyway, I don't want to belabor this point too much. This is going to be an hour of just, just complaining about how bad the Revs played yesterday. But, um uh, Traeger, uh, when will LL Bean sponsor the Revs? They love to camp. Unfortunately, it backfires nearly every time. Why can't this team figure out how to close out games? Um, again, I, I, I mean, they were... The other thing, too, about Bruce Arena is when he seems to park the bus. He parks the bus, but, like, kinda. Like, he didn't put in a five-man back line. Like, they were still pushing up and still going forward, and I guess they scored three times, so I, I guess it kind of worked out. But, um, you know, I think if you wanted to really park the bus, you could have done a four-man back line, and then you could put McCoon next to Polster as two defensive midfielders. And, you know, you, you could have really, um, you know, had no intention of pushing forward, but Polster and Buck still got up the field a little bit. Um, and, of course, that just led to Atlanta being able to counterattack and have a lot of space to run and create some really, really, you know, uh, scary chances for the Revs. Um, I mean, at one point, Omar Gonzalez had to make a professional foul at, at midfield uh, and draw a yellow card. I think it was in the 21st minute. Really, really lucky the Revs didn't have to, you know, that situation didn't pop up again. And Omar had to decide whether or not to take a second yellow or, or let a, a guy go on the goal on, uh, uh, on a breakaway. But, um, I mean, there was a lot of space throughout the midfield. So, I mean, Bruce Arena, when he parks the bus, he doesn't really, I don't know if it's really they're parking the bus and they're camping or more so just the revs can't keep up with Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? 
No, I agree. Um, when it comes to parking the bus, I think Bruce has also learned that putting a center back in right away uh, into a lineup can cause issues. Hence the Almar Gonzalez uh, experiment. Because last season we would put him in in like the 88th minute, and then we would lose like six, six or seven games due to crazy goals. So when it comes to when will the when will LL Bean sponsor the Rebs? Um, when Dunkin' Donuts stops giving donuts to Georgie, that's that's when. Uh, that's probably why. When is LL Bean sponsoring the podcast? By the way, I'm from Maine. We should be, we should be working on LL Bean next. I'm going to make a note of that. Um, oh God! <laughs> I don't think we have enough advertisers uh, in the podcast right now. I, I, w- uh, the feedback I hear from a lot of people is that we don't have enough ads, so I'll work on getting LB. <laughs> uh, a couple of quick comments that we've kind of touched on already. I'll just run through it. Nathan says maybe grasping at straws here, but are the revs doing a better job at scraping together points than they've done in a similarly injury-heavy periods in past seasons. On paper, I'm happy nabbing, stealing a point tonight with a weakened lineup. It certainly feels like they're doing a better job. It feels a lot more like 2021 than 2022. Um, but I, I don't want to give them credit because I feel like, um, you know, the Chicago game, you should be winning that game. And, you know, I know they scored late in that game and they scrapped a point away. Uh, great. This game... I really don't want to take away too many positives, but they did scrape away a point. But I, I don't know how much of that is dumb luck and how much of that is grit and determination from this team. So that's what I'll say. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, I think they've definitely learned from 2022. I wouldn't say it's a 2021 team at all, but I would definitely say this team has now been experienced. There's not a lot of players that are really rookies anymore. Like you have players like Dewan and Brandon who are uh, experienced now uh, as they were the young guys, if poor say. Um, so I think they've definitely done a better job scraping together points than they have done in similar like past seasons. But at the same time, it's more or less like, can we hold on and scrape together the three points instead of the one? Mm-hmm. Winless since that uh, U.S. Open Cup game against Pittsburgh, by the way. I believe that is a five-game winless streak across all competitions for the Revs. Uh, Steve McGrogan says offense is the best defense for the Revs. I, I think that is 100% true this week. Uh, also, the basics kill us. Pick your head up, distribute the ball quicker and cleaner, uh, and mark your man. Uh, and then uh, Og also says, depth becoming an issue. Let's see stats on how much we were dominated, but somehow scored three and got a point. I'll just run through some stats in case we haven't touched on it enough. Uh, expected goals, 1.81 to 0.93. Shots, Atlanta were up 22-5 on target. 7-3 for Atlanta. Shots inside the box, 9-4 for Atlanta. We were 2-2 two for two on big chances, so we matched them there. Um, but and again, passes in the opposition half, 435-77, to 77, according to FootMob. Uh, I will say where the revs did win and maybe this goes to the grit factor and the determination factor and the you know um uh, uh, I, I saw uh really mmp and sunday afternoon fullbacks listing off gritty red Sox players like trot nixon uh and and kevin millar and and you know shea hillenbrand so maybe, maybe these guys are the dirt dogs of the revolution but uh ground duels they were 41 for 29 that's 60 percent uh they won duels overall 45 to 38 they weren't as successful in the air but you know they're winning the ground duels they're winning the 50 50 balls so i guess that's a positive but really everything else i mean atlanta just completely outclassed them in every single way um also revs uk says the only positive we can take from that game is the fact that we can grind out a result despite only being allowed to touch the ball three times 
how do the revs go about uh, address being absolutely dominated for 90 minutes? And I guess that's really my question. Where do the revs go from here? I know we have New York City FC um, this weekend uh, in three days. Quick turnaround. Another tough road conference game um, against a team that I know they're not doing well in the standings, but they're still going to give you a battle. Um, these are our quasi rivals. And, you know, you're going to have to go onto that baseball field. And, and again, it's probably going to be another grind out result. Um, and with this defense, it's really concerning. So how do the revs go address address these issues and go forward? Um, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I guess they're going to have to mix around the lineup a little bit. Um, but I mean, I, I think we're going to have to just hold our breath, deal with the summer slump early and, and pray to God some people come back healthy and, and inform. Kind of building on that. I mean, every Revs fan note, like I, I, I've tweeted this a hundred times at this point. We, we've seen the story a thousand times over. I would rather go into a slump now than in October. We, we, we all would. As long as we make the playoffs – I don't care if we're first. I don't care if we're eighth. I don't care if we're third or whatever the last spot is, eighth, third, whatever. If we're in, we're in. Anything can happen. We've seen it happen. As long as we're in, I'm okay with it. I'd rather win games now. And like I already honed on, this month is going to be a tough one. I think that Bruce is going to use the New York and the Miami game because those are the, those are the two weakest – quote unquote, weakest teams in the East right now, New York in 14th, Miami in 15th. He's going to use those games to probably test out is blessing the right option at that wing spot. Is Polster, does Polster need a rest? Do we keep that same back line? And I think it's all going to be a prep building up for that Cincinnati game on July 1st. Uh, that, that game is at Cincinnati and just a quick stat here, Cincinnati is eight. No at home, eight. Oh, no at home. So that's going to be the largest test of the season will be away at FC Cincinnati on July 1st. So it's going to be up to the Rebs and with the three, three and two away record, that's for, for fifth place in the supporter shield race right now. That's currently where we sit with a three, three and two away record. Wow. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, wow. Yeah, the results, ultimately, I'll, I'll take where we are. I think it's just concerning going a little bit forward, and we're just not in a good spot right now. Bad. I will say, though, I agree 100%. We want to be healthy at the end of the year. If we get a 100% Henry Kessler for the, the stretch, the home stretch and the playoffs, and a 100% Gustavo Bo down the home stretch and into the playoffs, and if Rioni is starting and if he's found his form going into the playoffs, um, you know, all these these issues are minimized for sure. Um, I will push back one thing, though, because you say you don't care if you're first or eighth. I, I'm really concerned about this team on the road. I know you just said they're 3-3-2. Three, three and two. Um, Until we face a team that is a top three, four uh, playoff team from the east um, and, and we go on the road and we beat them, um, I mean, I, I'd have to look at who we beat on the road. It was Charlotte, Toronto. I'm losing track of the third one, um, but I don't think it was an impressive that impressive of a win. Uh, but I don't remember who it is. Maybe so. Maybe oh, it was a D, it was DC United, wasn't it? DC right? Uh, I believe yes. so. So um, DC United, it, Toronto's got quality. DC United's got quality, but you know. I'm concerned about the Cincinnati game. So I don't want the Revs to be in a playoffs where they have to go on the road to Atlanta or go on the road to Cincinnati in their first game. I'd like a home playoff game. And I think that would make a really, really big difference for their chances going into the playoffs. So that's the only thing I'll, I'll disagree with you there. Um, but everything else you said, 100 percent, 
Um, and, and you mentioned too, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, testing out the depth, testing out where blessing is going to be, you know, it, it's a really good time to learn about some of these players. I'd like to play Esmir a little bit more to learn a little bit more about Esmir. Um, and we got a comment about this. I'm, I'm jumping ahead on the next question, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about Esmir. I'd also like to learn a little bit more about Vrioni and, um, the, 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 not starting him and playing a one striker formation and playing Bobby Wood, who scored five goals in 11 games. I understand that completely. Why, 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 why is Josie Altador coming into this game before Vrioni? I am so, I, I, some people said he holds up the ball better. Some people pointed to the fact that he scored last game. Some people pointed to the fact that you want to rest Vrioni for New York city FC, and maybe he's getting 90 minutes on Saturday. So it's a rest factor maybe, but I, I, I am so perplexed that Josie Altidore, who has shown very little to nothing in a revolution uniform in a year and a half, is coming in for a 30-minute cameo over Vrioni. And I don't – and, and Sunday afternoon fullbacks on Twitter said, well, he, Bruce probably thinks he's the better person to play in this situation. I don't know how Bruce thinks that. I'm sure that's his logic. I am so stunned that Vrioni has somehow fallen behind Josie Altidore as the sub – with 30 minutes to go while holding a lead. I am so confused at that substitution. And then you have Gustavo Bo, who you didn't use in this game. You need a goal late in the game with like five minutes left. That's the moment you put in Bo, where you have the guy that can take long range shots and, and just kind of, you know, shoot on sight. Bo is the guy you put in. Then they put in Vrioni. So I'm really confused at how he's managing his forwards. I do not understand why we can't get Vrioni a string of starts. A lot of people are giving up on him. I feel we haven't seen nearly enough of him to make a judgment of what exactly he is at this stage or if he's going to develop or what. Um, I, I am very confused at this depth chart at forward and the decisions being made there. And I, I don't think it's an attitude problem with Frioni. Um, he seems like a hard worker and he's saying the right things. But my goodness, um, I've, I've never been more perplexed at a Bruce substitution in my life. And that is saying a lot. Oh, I completely agree. Um, what the hell are we doing? Uh, so I just want to want to run you. I'm just going to go through a quick comparison here. Josie Altidore, right? Nine games played, zero games started, 150 minutes, one goal. And his goal, okay? I don't know if I'm – listen, I'm a striker. I'm a forward, okay? I play in college. Okay. Josie Altidore missed on his shot. He missed. Okay, it hit his back foot. I would credit the sun with the goal. It was it was dark out when he scored. Okay, he did not score that. I don't care what you say. He went to shoot the ball and missed, and it hit his back foot and went in the goal. Okay, the uh, rotation of the ball was powerful enough because when he whiffed, um, you know there was enough air that kind of <laughs> spun it in the direction that went over the goal line. It's woeful, uh, literally woeful. I am so confused to how Vrioni has fallen, and and I've I don't think he's as amazing as some people think he is. I don't think he's as terrible as some people think he is. I think this guy right now looks like an average MLS striker, and maybe he's going to be an above average MLS striker. And I'm really skeptical that he's ever going to be sold for ten million dollars like Buxa was. Uh, or he's ever going to be a 15 goal scorer a season uh, uh, in MLS. Like I, I have my doubts about that. I'm not going to lie, but uh, what are we seeing from Josie that is, that's the spot to put him in? So anyway, uh, I'd, I'd heavily argue that Dylan Barrera would have scored that goal on his crutches. He would have scored that goal. He just would have, 
Um, but b- building on that, so as I said, nine games played, zero zero games started, one goal. He's played 150 minutes. Brioni's got 12 games played, four games started. Four, he only has, quick math, 321 more minutes than Josie. And he has three goals and, I believe, two assists on the year. Why is he not starting? Uh, I, 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 don't know, I don't know how he managed. The, the strikers yesterday managing him. Um, very, very confusing. But you know what's not confusing? The value you get at GalassoKits.com. Their mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have Revs merch. They have U.S. national team merch. They have a Vermont green jersey available right now if you're into some USL League 2 for our maple syrup lovers up in northwest New England. Uh, They have merch from your favorite European club that you can support from afar. Uh, Galasso Kits will have something that you want and need in your closet and if you're not sure what you want, you can check out their mystery kit packages where you enter in the size and style of jersey that you like, and Galasso will surprise you with the kit of their dreams, of your dreams. Sorry, not their dreams, your dreams. So go check out GalassoKits.com for their full selection. Make sure you follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and GalassoKits on Instagram for updates on their new inventory every single week. And when you find something you like, use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and codes are in the show notes. Um, Cody Hall says, why, where, how are we failing so miserable on defense? We kind of talked about that a little bit. I think it's just a personnel issue. Um, why are our players going down one by one? Injuries are really killing them. Um, I, I don't really have a, too much of a, of, of a reason or a logic to it. Um, but Cody's comment here, which is kind of feeding into my last, uh, rant. Why does Bruce keep playing old and crap over young and promising? If you have depth issues, I, I feel like it's a really good time to play the kids. Esmir not getting in this game, I, I understand it. And you, you explained why blessing over Esmir. I, I agree with that 100%. I also understand why Justin Renex, this was a good spot for him. Um, but it is very frustrating to see, even if we're not talking about the kids, if we're just talking Brioni, what are we learning from Josie Altidore uh, that we haven't learned already? So I don't want to get rehash the Josie thing, um, but it, it is kind of weird that we're, um, you know, we're, we're testing our depth and it's not really working. And Joshua Bulma is nowhere to be found. Jack P I think has been pretty disappointing. So I understand why they're not putting him in games, but um, Esmir, I think is the guy that I look at and I say, I, I feel like um, they should be finding more spots for him somehow, some way. Um, and maybe it's cause it's road games. Maybe it's cause it's just not the right spot for him. Um, but um, certainly he's been doing very, very, very well at revs too. He scored a hat trick a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'd like to see Esmir in the next few weeks. I definitely agree. Um, Jack P and Esmir definitely should get more of a chance to shine. And to be honest with you, um, I know we just talked about Josie. Bring bring on Marcos Diaz or bring up Jordan Adebayo Smith at this point because I'm getting sick of if if Rioni and Bo can't go, bring bring up a player that will actually do something for the team. Uh, Rob says, entertaining match. Taylor Twelman at one point said it looked like the Revs were down a man for a good portion of the match. What did you think of the Revs' tactics and uh, opinion on the play of Omar Gonzalez? Um, uh, let's talk about the, Re- the Revs' tactics. Again, the lineup I'm, I'm even okay with, but it was very clear from the first half Atlanta was going to score, and they were going to score multiple goals, and there wasn't really a change in tactics until Bruce Arena brought on McCoon for, for Ima, which I was fine with. Um but I, I, it's frustrating with Ima because he's a you know player that's going to play up on the left wing. That's what he does best. Um, you can't really, 
you know, does he fit in the diamond formation, um, you know, and, and is able to still go up left? Like, I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like when you play Ima, you have to kind of go with some sort of 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-1 formation. So I understand why they rolled it out that way. But I think a change was needed sooner. And um, I think they didn't want to pull off Ima because he's just been so good for the team. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the McCoon for Ima switch was fine. It just didn't pan out right. So um, tactically, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think a three-man center back line when they are completely mismatched is the way to go and go with Ima as a left wing back and Dewan Jones as the right wing back stack the center midfield have those two guys go up and swing in crosses to um, Wood or Vrioni if you're going to go with a two two uh, striker formation um, but if not you could do with a 5-4-1 formation if you, you really want to park the bus so I don't know just completely outmatched I, I would have liked to see a little bit more creativity from Bruce but instead it was kind of the same tactics just an inferior lineup. Does that make sense? Did it, what did I get wrong there, Caleb? Yeah, that that makes completely sense. And I, I also agree with you. I think a th- a three four two one or a three five two would definitely suit this absolutely shaky lineup or injury concern or the whole nine yards. If you played like a three four two one or a three four one two or a three five two, any of the combo because a lineup is a lineup until you get out on the field and you just play press ball the entire game, I feel like the Revs could handle it a lot easier. That that match, though, will be heavily dependent on your wingbacks actually tracking and going up and down the field. So with that, you need players off the bench that can replace Dewan Jones and Ima Boateng, like you stated, because it's going to be very tough for a wingback to go 90 minutes and a three-back in playing that type of football. But if you stack the midfield the correct way, if you do a 3-5-2 with buck, polster, heel, like you usually have been doing, um, or you have Blessing slide in for one of those two, because Carlos is inevitable, um, it would be good to see that formation, even with Bobby Wood getting rest, if you actually have a game where you have uh, Vrioni, Bo, and Keel play together. I, 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 if we have, it's it's been... Very, very few Once. minutes. It's been very few minutes because Bo came back. Heel was out for the LAFC game. And then Vrioni has been played very, very little too. So if all three of them have been on the field, it has not been for very long. Yeah, this this is kind of reminding me of more a Buxa first year because they didn't th- – those three DPs played on the same field together like four times. At the beginning of 20, at the beginning of 2021 too, they, they had an issue where they were playing one, one striker and Buxa and Bo – kind of were in and out of, of the lineup and they ended up figuring it out and, and were able to find a way to put them both on the field. But um, what's interesting is Bobby Wood has entered the conversation as, as potentially uh, a starter. So when you have all three of them, how are you going to mix up the lineup? It, it, it's, it's really interesting to see how the forwards are going to go forward. And what's crazy is all three of them are good enough to start in my opinion, when they're completely healthy and Josie's still getting minutes and I don't understand why. Yeah. I, honestly, God, I know we talked about earlier about the trade window opening up. I would not be shocked if teams start calling about Bobby Wood. And Bobby Wood, Bobby Wood has, uh, in my in my opinion, has been the best player of the year so far. Yeah, the biggest surprise for sure. We really did, had very low expectations for him. And five oh. goals before June is a really good surprise. And that's actually a really good shout. You wonder if Vrioni and Bo figure it out. Bo, or, or sorry, Bobby Wood becomes expendable. Does a team that needs a, a nine or a striker... 
Do they call it for Bobby Wood? That's a really good point. That's a really good point that I hadn't thought until you said that. So real quick, we, we talked about Omar a little bit. Do we want to talk about Omar's performance anymore uh, since Rob asked us? He played well for what he was given, and I had really no issues with Omar. He had one of his better games, even though better is lax. Yeah, not not flawless. Um, still don't like him starting, especially in a four-man back line. Um, and any Revs fan says, um, does Omar deserve to start when Bai is back? Um, so I guess this would mean above Farrell when Farrell is pushed back to the center. Omar or Farrell, who would you rather have as a center back right now? Definitely Farrell. And even that is a stretch. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... Um, Farrell has had a rough season, but I, I think Omar's lost a step, and I, I, I'm a little concerned about him when he's in a foot race. So, um, but again, played pretty well, was able to manage it pretty well. Um, I, I think he's playing a lot better this season than last season. I think I feel like this season's been a little bit more of a fresh start for him. I know he's had very very few minutes, um, but in the times we've seen him, he hasn't been a oh here comes a goal um, like we saw last year. So um, I, I I think there's a little more trust in Omar, but I don't know if I'd put him above Farrell at this stage. Uh, Mike D says the three subs uh, that player the three subs that came in most observers of this team would say are on the edge of the 18. What did you think of Renek coming on for blessing Macoon as the defensive presence in the middle of the field, instantly giving up a goal, and Josie in as the second choice forward over Vrioni and Bo? We're not going to talk about Josie because we've ranted about him enough, and people are tired of that. Mm-hmm. I am sure. Um, I, I understand why Renek came in. I think his job was suited for him. You know, hold the ball, run at players, press, show some hustle. I thought he did fine. Um, and I think when Blessing had to come out, I think that was the right move to make. I'd, I'd rather have Renix there than Esmir for reasons we've talked about. Uh, and Makun I had no issue with. I think you needed another body in the middle of the field. And I think Emo was the guy to pull off, although that makes you a lot less dangerous offensively. Um, and I, I don't, I, I have a tough time blaming him for the goals. Um, but um, the best player in the world, I'd, I'd rather have a better defensive midfielder coming off the bench, if that makes sense. Um, Caleb, what did I get wrong? Um, subs were good. Um like I said earlier, Vrioni should have started this game uh, or, or sorry, came in much earlier. I think Makun, obviously, I, I should have I, – I stated that we should have started him. Uh, Renix played great. We're moving on from Josie. Uh, I sound like I, – I sound like Belichick at this, but we're on to Cincinnati. Uh Listen, I, I think the subs were used great. Uh, I would have loved to see, like I said, Vrioni earlier – and I would have preferred Gustavo Bo where Vrioni came in in the 90th minute. I would have preferred Vrioni for Alt- for Altador sub in the 73rd, and Bo in the 90th would have made mo- uh, the most sense in my eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Seamus says, if the regular season doesn't matter, why aren't we using these games to help Vrioni come into form by the playoffs? Wood is fine, but he isn't winning us a cup. Also note, we haven't seen much of Esmir or, J- Esmir or Jack lately. Arena is so frustrating. Um, I have no notes. We've talked about this. Anything to add, Caleb, or are we going to move on to the next one? Uh, we can move on. I just want to add one quote. This is from Bruce. Or sorry, this is from Taylor Twalman at 7.30 this morning. Quote, Rioni not starting or playing a lot has me baffled. We do not know his potential until he gets a rhythm of games, but Heel and others talk about his technique and finishing all the time. I don't get it myself. Hashtag any reps. Bobby Wood is in form. So uh, again, five goals before June. Good, good performance. Like it's, it's tough to say Bobby, it it would be an easier complaint to make if Bobby Wood wasn't scoring whatsoever. Um, And and Bruce did say in his post game presser that, 
you know, Bobby Wood is an intelligent player. He's able to get in the box. He scored a lot of goals from inside the six yard box. So I think Bruce just trusts that ability to make the right run and, and be in the right spot. And Books had issues with that coming in a little bit too. And so maybe Vrioni needs to warm up to that a little bit. We've talked about how he just doesn't get enough touches, how he seems disconnected from the midfield. And Wood doesn't seem to have those problems. But with that being said, Seamus is right. We're going to hit a point where we need Vrioni to be the guy. And there's going to be a time where Bobby Wood goes cold. So there's going to be a, a day where we need to make this switch. And I'm, I, I, I'm not fully confident Bruce is going to know when that switch is. So um, BCFC and revs says, why is Bruce getting so much leeway from the board? His consistency in making the wrong decisions is starting to become a regular C, uh, regular thing. Why is Josie getting time ahead of Rioni? Everyone is asking this question too. Uh, it should be noted that this question comes from someone from England. So the board in this case would be uh, Robert and Jonathan Kraft uh, and the, the hierarchy of the revs. Um, he, he's got le- all the leeway in the world with the revs. I think Bruce Serena um, has no issues with job security from the way he has turned this team around uh, from the playoff appearances they are making. Um, and, and we could go into a rant about does Kraft care? Does Kraft not care? Um, do the results matter? But um, Bruce Arena's turned this team around. He's built up the Academy. Um, he has really changed the trajectory of this team long-term um, and he's selling players for profit. Um, and those things matter more to the owner than winning games and in-game decisions. And so I think if Bruce Arena was managing a team in England, uh, maybe there would be more questions of the manager. But um, I I think he's got a really solid... um, His seat isn't warming up, to say the least. So, uh, yeah, I I think that's... There, there's, and we're, we haven't gotten any Bruce out questions in a while. We got some last year, but, um, yeah, that's, that's essentially the reason why Bruce arena's job is never really in doubt. Yeah. He's also not going to get leeway from the board because he is the board. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the only two people that are above Bruce arena for the revolution is Robert and Jonathan Kraft and Bruce arena has completely changed this team. So he's going to get as much leeway as he wants because he is the quote unquote Bill Belichick of the MLS soccer world. So the crafts don't care. That's the nicest way to put it. Um, Porter says, has Carlos Hill tightened his finishing and gotten more confident in taking more chances himself because our striker situation is a quote unquote dumpster fire as described, described by Andrew Wiebe. Uh, and did Bruce arena simply out coach Pineda here? I don't think arena coached anyone. Um, I think, I, I don't even think, uh, I'd have to I'd have to kind of think about it more from the Atlanta side if who who outcoached who, um, but I, I think really this was more dumb luck. So I don't want to I don't want to give Arena too too much credit here. But in terms of heel, I absolutely think that's the case. He's taking more shots because used to be he's kind of looking up, looking for Buxo, looking for Bo. I, I don't think he has as much trust as much trust uh, in Bobby Wood and Vrioni. Uh, and so when he has a shot on on sight, he's going to take it. Five goals this season. Um, he, he's on pace to I believe set his season high with the revs. I believe his season high is 10 from 2019. That was over 34 games and 3000 minutes. He's at about a thousand minutes right now, 999. Um, and he has five goals and five assists. So um, he's definitely going to surpass his seven from last year from 2022. He's probably, if he keeps this up, he's going to surpass that 10 from 2019. Um, he, he certainly seems like he's being more aggressive towards goal. Uh, so I agree with this comment here from Porter. Uh, what are your thoughts, Caleb? Uh, Carlos is definitely getting more confident. I mean, he scored with his right foot yesterday. So, wow. Um, did Bruce Arena outcoach Pineda? No. Bruce was outcoached. Bruce was completely outcoached in that second half. Um, and based on this result, I would say Pineda outcoached Bruce because he managed – I mean, 
he should be walking away with three points, but we have the MVP on our team. So that's the, the only reason why we stuck away with points there. Uh, Bill Davidson kind of points that out. The Revs team is dependent on Heal and Petrovic. Can the Revs team succeed without them? If so, how? If not, what needs to change? I don't think there is a way they can succeed without them. I don't even know how you can plan for that, just with the roster restrictions. Um, but even with them, you need to upgrade the depth on this team or you need to get completely healthy because uh, right now this lineup isn't it. Well, we're going to find out on June 17th because Georgie Petrovic was called in uh, by the Serbian national team. So he will miss the June 17th match versus Orlando City SC. So the Revs have two matches, which is New York City FC and Inter-Miami, to figure out if Earl Edwards Jr., Jacob Jackson, or Nico Campuzano will be starting in goal. Um, It's going to be a test, and it will be interesting to really see – Revs two over the next three weeks to see which goalkeeper is consistently starting in those games. And I could easily see Earl going to play a game or two for Revs two if, if he is chosen so that he has form heading into that June 17th game. Cause we know minimum Georgie will miss the June 17th game since he was approved on the call up. And we got to be hopeful. Uh, knock on wood, heel doesn't get hurt in that time. Um, but it's going to be a difficult stretch. And I think that game is going to tell you right away, can we handle not having the quote-unquote should-be goalie of the year in net against an Orlando City SC team who is kind of struggling this season. They're they have 20 they have 20 points which is they're only six off of us but they are quote unquote struggling like other than usual so it it's going to be an interesting month here it'll also be interesting if they, i know they were high on Jacob Jackson when they drafted him i know he's coming off of ACL an ACL torn ACL injury um do they give the young guy a shot do they they use this opportunity to see what he's got traditionally Bruce goes with the veteran that he trusts and i feel like that's Earl Edwards Jr but you wonder if Jacob Jackson um Johnson Smith makes a cameo here uh as as a one off just to give him a shot uh to see what he can do um also Alfred says both were available this summer you might have meant this winter um, or, or last summer window, I'm not sure, but uh, would you have taken Derek Etienne Jr. over Latif Blessing? Uh, Caleb, what are your thoughts? No. The only player I would have taken over Latif Blessing would have been Mark Anthony K. And I think that we made the right choice by taking Latif Blessing. I was also listening to an Atlanta Twitter spaces, and they are not too happy with Etienne Jr. So um, it, it's interesting how both these guys moving on to new teams um, haven't fit the way they thought and haven't performed the way they thought. So it's a very good question. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. And right now I'm really frustrated with blessing. So I'd lean yes. Um, but I, I, I think blessing in the long term. um, I, I don't know. I, I, he started out pretty well for the reps, but since coming back from personal leave, he's really struggled. So I, I just hope he gets it together. And we see the, the Latif we saw at the beginning of the season. Uh, Dwan season uh, kind of spoofing the uh, Kessler comment. How important is Brandon by to this defense, given that, um, even without Kessler, this team was allowing one goal allowed. And since Bai's injury, we've been conceding three goals a game. Uh, <laughs> pretty short sample size without Bai. Um, I, I think that speaks to the lack of depth behind Brandon Bai. Yeah, I mean, he's important, but we we should be able to... With, with a team that has a good depth, you should be able to take one player out of a lineup and be completely sound. 
Bear, 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 Bear Carlos, and Petro, obviously. But the other nine, they should be easily expendable. If one goes down, the next man should be right there to step up. But to be honest with you, and I know people have been commenting about Rev's depth, Rev's depth does not have it. Even though we're deep in depth at, in some places, they do not have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swerve says two things. One, I think it's time to sell some DPs. The question is which ones should go. Two, if we don't see some major moves this summer transfer window, then it's time to guess MLS goodbye this year. Um, I disagree a little bit with the second part because I feel like fully healthy this team is good. And we saw that at the beginning of the season. We just lack the depth. So we kind of talked about it earlier. If we see a fully healthy bow, a fully healthy Kessler, if Rioni finds his way and finds the light, maybe this team is, is an MLS Cup contender. Um, but those are all really big question marks. And if those question marks have bad answers, um, I, I agree with that. So um, in terms of selling DPs, um, you're not selling heel. Um, Vrioni, I wonder maybe you could loan him out. Uh, but I think that would be that would really hurt his development with the Revs. And I'm not sure if that's the best option for him long term. Bo's contract is up at the end of the year. Maybe you're able to move him on a free transfer, um, but I, I I don't know what the market is for him. I think you have to give him up for free and hope that, you know, um, if racing down in Argentina wants him, they'll, they'll sign him. But for the most part, you know, he, he's making a good amount of money. He's got really no motivation to take the mutual buyout. Um, you could use the um, termination on him, your, your one-time termination on him in midseason, um, but you need a, a designated player in the in the queue, ready to take over. So I don't know if that's what the revs are thinking about doing. It would explain why Josie has not been bought out yet. Um, but really, Bo is the only designated player that I could see possibly leaving this team outside of a maybe a loan for Vrioni. But I I can't see that happening either. Uh, Carlos will be here long term. I, I I honestly think Carlos Hill will retire here. Um, I I don't unless he magically goes back to Spain, but I don't see it. He loves it here. His brother's here as well. Um, Gustavo, like you stated, contract up in December of 2023. Um, I honestly do believe that this is Gustavo Bo's last year with the team. Um, And if he does come back next year, it will not be on DP money. Um, Probably something around Max Tam. And if we can do that, I would would 100% do that. Um, I would totally bring him back, not as a DP, uh, but obviously MLS roster rules and regulations, etc. Rioni, he just needs to find his form. It's it's frustrating. He's also like not getting playing time, so that's also frustrating. But when you have someone like Bobby Wood who's got five goals in thirteen games, uh, you can't really complain about it. Um, I I I think. We will sign a stellar DP if Bo is to move on. Uh, I think MLS has grown to a point where a lot of players want to come here. And it's continuously growing. And there's also issues with some DPs across the league uh, in their own different scenarios. So I could see inter-MLS DP trades. We've seen it before. But uh, who 
specifically. I'm not sure. Well, well, actually, I, I, I kind of, I mean, maybe Vrioni, but with Bo, he was left unprotected in the, the expansion draft for St. Louis. So St. Louis could have drafted him and traded him for a very low cost to anyone in the league, and mm-hmm. they didn't do that. So that, that makes me think that there is no market for Gustavo Bo, um, and if there is, a, it's very little. They don't, they don't want that cost. So um, I, I, I'm not sure if, if they're going to be able to, to move Bo. Um, yeah. And again, I, I, Vrioni is a weird one, um, because it really depends on if Bruce is done with him, which maybe he is. Um, but I, I think that's really harsh and that's given up on him a little too soon, in my opinion. Agreed. I, I will say too, one more thing I'll add is that they do have a U22 slot since Barrero is on the season ending injury list, but there's complications there because that's obviously a major investment. It's probably a long-term contract. So bringing in a U22 now and having Barrero come back next year means you can't sign a designated player in the off season when Bo leaves. So there's a little bit of chess there where they do have a slot open and they can make a major move, but is it worth less flexibility down the line? Um, that's a big question too. Yeah. Kind of just quickly uh, building on that. I do think that they sign a U22 player in this summer window. And when next season rolls around, I believe they don't get, a, a, they, they, they could go the route where they have three U22 players instead of a DP. And I think that's the route that they'll take. I think long-term, that's the best case scenario, too. If you want to be a team that's building from the ground up with youth, that, to me, seems like a better idea, as opposed to buying a designated player like Vrioni, who's 24 anyway, just buy a 22-year-old. Buy a 22-year-old instead of a 24-year-old with a similar skill set that may be a little bit more raw. And and anyway, I digress. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt's uh, actually... um, you mentioned Carlos Heel um, re-signing with the team. This is going to lead to a question from Rev Central. Former greatest Rev of all time, Taylor Twelman, confirms Carlos Heel is the new GOAT. Agree? I think Carlos will be, but it's too early to say. I think he is on pace right now to break the all-time assist record for the team. And I think once he surpasses that, it's kind of a lock. Um, he also has the MVP, which Twelman had as well. So that's the other comparison. He's done a lot for this team, um, but I, I, I think he still needs a, a, a little bit more to get over the hump. But I, it's definitely an argument that will be had when Keel decides to hang it up. Mm-hmm. And just as a comparison, I think the two guys you, com- you, you put in that GOAT conversation is Taylor Twelman and Shalry Joseph. And I've always compared them as 1A and 1B. Regardless of who you think is the greatest of all time, I'm not going to argue with it. I think Carlos Hill is 1C. I think you could pick any of those three, and I'm not going to argue with you. Um, the one thing with Carlos Hill, and, and I agree with you 100%, I think he just needs a little bit more longevity. This is his fifth season with the team. He missed most of 2022, so you could say really he's at around four seasons right now. He's coming up on 10,000 minutes with the team. Um, Taylor Twelman had 15,000 minutes. Charlie Joseph had a little under 25,000 minutes. Um, Joseph had the longevity records for sure. Um, but um, I think in terms of quality, you mentioned Carlos Hill, one of the only two players to win uh, league MVP. Uh, um, he's been the captain for years. He's really, re, you know, rejuvenated this team. He's going to pass, surpass uh, Steve Ralston's um, assist record. If last season, next season, his contract's up after the end of the year. If he is done after next year, I think it's a, a real good debate. But you mentioned if he retires with the Revs, if he extends his contract beyond 2024, and he gives the team three more seasons, two more seasons um, of really, really quality elite play, um, he, he's going to surpass Twelman in my opinion. So I, that might be Twelman being modest. I still think he's in the conversation. Um, but Carlos Hill, I mean, I, he, he's up there with Twelman and Joseph in terms of the greatest of all time for sure. 
Um, Matt C says the center defensive position of need for improvement in the next open market. What are the, and also says, what are the ETAs of T-Mac Nacho and other injured players? I think center defense is definitely a um, need. If Kessler is not coming back or if there's concerns about Kessler in the long term, um, that's definitely an area that they need to upgrade. Um, in terms of the ETAs of T-Mac, Nacho, other injured players, uh, Tom Quinlan actually asked if there's any updates on anyone. Bruce said no. They're real tight-lipped about it right now. I have some. Oh, oh, oh. Well, let me let me give you uh, what I know. I know that on the uh, Revs Confidential podcast, they said Tommy McNamara has been seen spotted at the facility, so maybe he's working his way back. They had no update on Nacho. I know a month ago, Bruce Arena said that Nacho was going to be coming back to the States in a week or two, and then they'd assess him then. Um, but I, I don't even think he's back in the States, so he seems to be on ice. Uh, Caleb, what do you know? Uh, so T-Mac should be back at, through probably mid-June. Um, he should be back from that leg injury around the Orlando-Toronto game. Uh, so kind of lit, late end of June. Uh, Nacho, same thing, should be around. He's more the June 24th, July 1st type window uh, from his leg injury. Um, in regards to Brandon By, I kind of commented on it earlier. He is slotted for probably early to mid-July. Um, also depends on how he feels with that shoulder. And there also is a gross window from July 15th to August 20th. We don't have an MLS game because of the uh, League's Cup. So I'd, I'd be shocked, to be honest with you, if we see Brandon By rushed with that shoulder, if it's so bad. Um, so I'd be shocked if he doesn't come back until the league's cup. I, it wouldn't surprise me. I also don't see Bruce pushing players. I, I, I think he could use the league's cup for fitness. Um, I, I don't think he's going to take it very seriously. He made some comments about the schedule of the league and he didn't seem like he was very happy with the league's cup. I think he, lo- he forgot the name of the, the competition. So I, I'm yeah. not expecting a, a very competitive league's cup. So I could certainly see them maybe bringing back by on a minutes limit, uh, or, or these other players in a minutes limit. Yeah. So. And then uh, Kessler, uh, hamstring injury. At first, he was slotted early September. Uh, I think that's more of an early August from what I've been hearing is his healing has done very well so far. And Bruce has even commented, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago, he stated that uh, it could be three months rather than four I forget uh, where the direct quote was. I think Seth had the quote. Um, But that's kind of the injury shebang so far. And then Dylan's out for probably 12 months. So, Um, Yeah, so if you've stuck through uh, this entire long podcast, which we apologize for the length of it, uh, you got some uh, really good intel there. So thank you, Caleb, uh, on that. Uh, Let's wrap it up. Sunday afternoon fullbacks. Rate tonight's game on a scale of Arby's to Bertucci's. Um, Caleb, do you want to pick your, your chain restaurant first or shall I? Applebee's. Oh, <laughs> jeez, This is harsh. Applebee's is better than this game. What's your, what's your logic? Or are you just trolling me for being the uh, alleged Applebee's guy, even though I've eaten there once in the last decade? Sorry. Uh, this is like an IHOP. This is oh. really, an, this is like a, this is like an IHOP. It's a, it's better than Denny's, but it's right there. <laughs> it's right. I feel this is insulting to IHOP. Do you not like IHOP? No, I love IHOP. IHOP's great. See, I'm I'm in the opposite. This wasn't a good game at all. I, I, you're taking the positive result. See, I think of what's a restaurant that is actually terrible 
that the whole time you really shouldn't be enjoying yourself and you're probably miserable, but you, you kind of, you walk then away. Denny's. Be- this is a Denny's game then. <laughs> See, I, I'm going to go Olive Garden. You get the breadsticks <sighs> at the beginning. So that's the Carlos Heel first minute goal where you're like, okay, this is good. Maybe there's some good service. You know, that's the second goal with Bobby Wood. And then you leave on a high note. You know, you, you walk out. You're like, that was, you know, I ate a lot. That was fine. Uh, but the quality just from the beginning to end is terrible. So I, I think Olive Garden where you might leave kind of satisfied. You might trick yourself and then think, you know, that salad was fine. The breadsticks were great. The service was great. That's great. Uh, but but really, uh, the quality is piss poor. So uh, this this was the Olive Garden game for me. Yeah, I, I kind of think of it as the Denny's because it's, uh, well, at some places it's 24 hours. So you're like, oh, Denny's, it's like 4 a.m. I'm hungry. Then you get there. You start chowing on whatever you got. Then halfway through, you're like, damn, this went straight through me. I feel awful. And then you get to the 90th minute and they're like, do you want dessert? And I'm like, it's a breakfast place. What are you bringing me? And then it's served. Yeah, Denny, Denny's makes sense because this game probably would have been a lot more fun uh, drunk off your ass uh, at, at 2 a.m. Uh, not, not, a, not a good one for uh, people to have if you're watching it Stone Cold Sober. So Yeah. All right, Caleb, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Caleb Pongratz 10. That's C-A-L-E-B-P-O-N-G-R-A-T-Z 10. And then you can also find my articles at ProStop. At Prost Soccer, and that's at P R O S T S O C C E R on Twitter or on their website, ProstAmerica.com. Oh, also, Taylor Twoman, uh dropped that uh, in my notes here. Noel Buck might be called into the U18s for England. That's cool. Great. Awesome. Um, just wanted to end on that great note, too. Um, solid. Solid, solid. Solid night. Great. Love it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Revolution Recap uh, and follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Be sure to follow our friends at The Blazing Musket on Twitter at The Blazing Musket uh, and follow their work online at the at TheBlazingMusket.com uh, on their Substack for year-round coverage. Be sure to follow our friends in The Rebellion at The Rebellion on Twitter and go to AnyRebellion.org uh, to learn more about them. And thank you to Galasso Kits. Use promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. And our presenting sponsor, uh, BetOnline. Uh, make sure you use promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Uh, and also... Please make sure you give us a rating and review on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you are listening. Um, always, a pre, you know, always helps people finding our content, find, looking for revolution content, find us. Uh, so please, 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 if you haven't already, uh, leave us a review. We'll be back this weekend following the New York City FC game. Hopefully it's better. Hopefully we're talking about three points. It's been a long, long time since we talked about three points. Hopefully we get it this weekend. Until then, thank you everyone for listening and go Revs. Go Revs. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.